0: Welcome back to the Swim Swam Breakdown. I thought we weren't going to do another one of these until 2024. But there was so much fast swimming that uh, we decided we needed to talk about it. So as always, I'm Coleman Hodges coming to you from Austin, Texas, joined by Yin Yin Lee in Madison, New Jersey. Let's talk about the distance revolution because it is upon us and the sandpipers of Nevada are I spearheading it doesn't even do it justice I think they are almost nearly single-handedly responsible for it uh them them and and, and Luca me Mi- mihatovich mihatovich I don't know how to say his last name I should ask him but uh we saw some insane swims this weekend uh from these teenagers Luca Ellis of sandpipers 1429 in the mile Gabe Mantefell of Sandpipers, 1441 in the mile. Luca broke his own 1314 NAG record in the mile at 1445 in the 1,000, 846 in the 500, 415 in the 400 IM. Uh, Katie Grimes, um, 428 in the 500 free. Her teammate, Claire Weinstein, 429. Uh, Two more women under the 430 barrier in the 500 free. They both had... Great meets, otherwise, I mean, it was just all around a, a, an insane distance showing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yin Yin, um Give me, g- give me some of your thoughts on these crazy times from Huntington Sectionals.
1: Yeah, I mean, Luca's gonna Luca. He he's been doing this for the past year. I'm not, I'm not really surprised. He he's a 14 year old boy, and as people have been saying, he's on a Ledecky like trajectory. I just I just hope he can have a Ledecky or Thorpe like career and not burn out because you never really know with these kids. Um, but the swim that really, really popped out to me was Luke Ellis's fourteen twenty nine swim because the fourteen twenty nine period from anyone is insane. That, again, that that would have won NCA's, and when it, it was we'll, we'll, yeah, Will Gallon won fourteen twenty nine at NCA's. I thought that was a really fast time because I, I didn't think anyone in the NCA at that time was capable of breaking four thirty uh, a fourteen thirty when Bobby Fink left. But now we we have this junior junior in high school doing it, and that's. That's insane, and I remember a few, a few years ago, everyone was freaking out over Liam Custer and how he went, I think, fourteen thirty-five, but at the same age as Luke Ellis. But now we have Luke Ellis going six seconds faster than that, which I think was largely overshadowed by what Luca did. But th- this is insane, and not that mention his teammate Gabe Mantefil. Going fourteen forty one and he's a sophomore in high school, I think he's maybe second second all time, one of the fastest all time in his age group, and as you said Coleman, this is a distance revolution and a lot so for the Sandpiper boys because we've been hearing a lot about how the Sandpiper girls and their golden trio of Weinstein Sims. And Grimes, they've been pumping out fast times for years now, but now I feel like the boys are starting to catch on as well in this generation of sandpipers. And I just wanted to add on a quick point about Claire Weinstein and on the girl side. I think in terms of yards, she's been a good swimmer, but she's lagged behind Grimes and Sims in terms of super eye-popping, insane times. But her breaking... Four thirty in yards was saying I'm just as valuable as of a college swimmer as my teammates are. I feel like that was sending a message. So those were my main thoughts about the meet.
0: Yeah, I mean we've seen Claire Weinstein kind of ascend in long course, certainly right. National champion in the two hundred free this summer. Getting the touch on Katie Ledecky in that race was was a huge swim for her. She made the world champs team the year prior. But we have to remember that she's only been training with the sandpipers for two, two and a half years at this point. And so it seems like she's really, uh, it, it seems like those, those yards performances and her best times kind of are, are starting to level up with those, uh, with those long course swims, which I'm guessing, um, you know, she, she, she gets a, a lot of opportunities to work on her yards details with the sandpipers as well. And, and I think we saw that pay off over the course of this weekend, but it's, to me, it's just, yeah, like this feels very revolutionary. We're seeing a lot of kids go so fast in these distance races. And it, I think we've heard a lot of complaints about the, the U S lacking in distance depth for, for quite a while. I, I think Bobby Fink has kind of been that shining star. Um, And then after that, it's, it's dropped off a little bit. And not only have we seen kind of the top end start to rise with, um, a lot of the guys who are training with Mark Schubert out in Southern California right now, who, you know, kind of want to, to raise that bar of, of distance swimming. Um, and then on the women's side, I think there's some extreme depth that starts after Katie Ledecky, obviously with Katie Grimes, um, of the sandpipers, but. You know, to see, to see, let's see, um, five, four, four teenagers go under 15 minutes in the mile, um, three of which are sandpipers and then Luca it's, it's pretty amazing. And then you had a four, a fit, sorry, a fourth sandpiper, a fifth teenager go 1505, um, and so it, it seems like we have a bright future for distance swimming and i mean it's it seems like this sandpipers have single-handedly made distance swimming cool um or the sandpipers and luca you know it's like people seem to be really excited about distance swimming now and that's not always the case but when people go really fast it it it, it gets that energy going and i would ask the question of like what are the sandpipers doing but we have it on film. <clears throat> We've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Rod is a really good coach and he is not someone who does just who, who trains and trains and trains and does a lot of yardage without a reason. He does do a lot of yardage, but he does it with a reason. He is super methodical about how he trains these distance kids. He does not overload them or, or give them more than they can handle because he knows, you know, technically aerobically he is very attuned to the what they can handle and it's just hats off to him and what he's doing
1: yeah to add on to your point about ron i talked to him a few a few months ago for an interview that was in the swimsuit swim magazine he said that he doesn't consider his training program to do to be at like the top end of, of yardage he thinks that they're more in the middle and that was something that Bella, Sims, Claire Weinstein, Katie Grahams all attested to and I think Ron is someone who's very meticulous in his training. Like you said, he's not just gonna dump a bunch of yardage on them and make them swim and not really like fine tune their technique. They do a lot of stuff like buckets and all that sort of stuff and it's really more than just swimming a lot. and I wanna add on to your point about distance swimming. You you've gotta give Katie Ledecki and the OG some credit. You can't just say the sandpipers are what revolutionized swimming. I, I think for me it was Katie Ledecki was the person who kept like put our eyes on distance swimming and then she started this rippled effect that's really starting to show in this generation. Um At least for the woman who grew up watching LeDecky's rise, and now they're rising as
0: well. I, I, I would. You're absolutely right, and credit where credit is due. You know, this is this feels kind of Phelpsian, right? She is a once in a generation athlete, and we are now seeing you know young girls, and I would like to think even young boys look up to Katie LeDecky and be like, hey, if she can do something like that. Maybe I can too, you know, cause it's like, cause I think she can hopefully transcend gender in terms of being a role model in and out of the pool. And, uh, and she has, uh, obviously you, you have a name like Bobby Fink who is getting it done on the male side, but like, I don't, no one has been as dominant as her in distance swimming maybe ever. And I think, I think that, you know, I think anyone can look up to that and say, Hey, I want to do that too.
1: Oh, of course. I think LeDecky, as a figure in swimming, is definitely transcending, transcending like the barriers of like, oh, you this swimmer only females can like look up to this swimmer because she's a female swimmer, like. And I think that that does lead to a whole other conversation. But I agree.
0: So, hashtag Distance Revolution. It's happening. Uh, that was, that was all just from the Huntington beach sectionals. I can't believe that was a sectional meet and not an NC2A championship. Uh, but moving on to our next talk of, of championship meets Olympic trials has 24,000 tickets left per day. Uh, USA swimming has offered a nine days of Christmas discount on these Olympic trials tickets. But, uh, you know, the, the, the discussion around Olympic trials that will be held in the Indianapolis Colts football stadium, tickets are expensive and not only are they expensive, but this is for a swim meet, right? This is not a football game, not a basketball game, not a concert. It's for a swim meet. Uh, so Yin, -Yin, just break it down. (laughs) What does USA swimming have to do to get, get butts in seats? Uh, but more importantly, why, why are people so upset about paying a lot for, you know, what could be a really unique and cool experience?
1: Okay. So in the comments section, Nicole Miller, who writes for swim, Swim, said that she had to pay $250 for a hundred level seats for a Taylor Swift concert. And that is similar to the price for a hundred level seats at Olympic trials and as great as swimming is, it is not Taylor Swift. It is a swim meet. And I don't it, like, I think the whole Lucas Oil Stadium idea is great. And the Olympic trials have made a lot of money and have sold out pretty quickly in the past, but that doesn't mean that tickets are worth over $250 for single single day tickets are worth $250. Like for a domestic swim meet, that is not worth it. And we talk a lot about how different collegiate sports like softball and volleyball are growing. And the thing is in an Olympic year, these swimmers have a bigger brand than said softball and volleyball players and a lot of other collegiate athletes part of rising sports. These are Olympians. These are Olympic medalists. Like the entire country knows who a lot of these swimmers are like Katie Ledecky, Caleb Dressel, Simone Manuel. These swimmers have major brands and I don't think the Olympic trials is a meet where you need to sell five dollar sell five dollar tickets to fill up Memorial Stadium like what Nebraska volleyball did. Like I think if tickets sold for fi- around fifty to a hundred dollars, this event would have sold out pretty quickly. but two fifty dollars under any circumstances for a swim meet is not not acceptable. And I don't know, it's just sad to see that there's a great idea. There, this is a great meet, a great opportunity to see all this talent. And as you said, like this meet in itself is good, but I just don't I just don't think a lot of people seem to think that it's worth it to go to this meet and pay that much money, especially if you're traveling. Like like we have to come to a point where we think like maybe it's better to just watch this on TV because I'm not paying that much money. And I, I get it.
0: Well, I I am I am not an avid sports fan. I've never under so take that take this with a grain of salt. I've never understood watching sports live, like like big sporting events. Like it's better the views better on TV, right? Like if I watch Olympic trials on TV, I'm gonna have a better view <laughs> than if I <laughs> and I can do it for free than if I watch than if I go to Olympic trials and watch it. So it like you have to make that travel experience worth it for me and to give a little context if you in case you missed this article the prices of tickets for trials with this 20 percent discount single day tickets range from 268 dollars per day for seats in the lowest levels to 56 dollars for you know seats in the highest levels and
1: you can barely even see what's going on in the 600 levels
0: and that's with what's a discount <laughs> Uh, and this doesn't include the victory row seats, the best seats in the house. Um, and those are selling for th- nearly $400 per day. Those tickets were $200 per day in 2020. Uh, the, the gold seats, the, the, the lower level seats, were $90 per day in 2020. And the cheapest tickets were $60 per day. So again, like you said, you know, fifty to hundred dollars, which just still seems pretty expensive for a swim meet. It's like, you know, why if you're doing it in a football stadium, why are you not selling tickets like a football event, right? Where it's like people pay fifty to hundred dollars, maybe a little cheaper for the, the the really real nosebleeds, maybe a little more expensive for the for the really good seats. But it's like, it's just hiking up the prices kind of feels like it misses the whole point of this event, right? Mm-hmm. Which is to get people there and get people excited about swimming, and so far it seems like this has done the exact opposite.
1: Exactly. And Coleman, your point about how you don't really like watching sports live, I personally like watching college sports live just because you get that kind of like fan atmosphere that you can't really feel through a TV screen. And that's my point about Olympic trials. They're not doing anything to make their atmosphere better than what it was in previous years. They're, they're just doing the same thing that they've done all year, except they're all that they've done in every other year, except now they're hiking up the prices. And it, it's just, I don't know. It just feels very out of touch with what people want. And the fact that I've I paid I'm going to pay less to watch a Colts game in that stadium than I am for an Olympic trials meet is that's just ridiculous considering that this is not a football game. It's a swim meet. And I don't know. I I have so many things that I want (laughs) to say about this. This is just USA swimming driving itself up a wall. And that's, that's not the only instance that they're driving themselves up a wall right now, but that's a conversation for another day.
0: It, it is curious, right? They, um, you said out of touch and I feel like that's very apt. They released, you know, the new swims database, um, the months ago and it did not work and it doesn't seem like they've taken a lot of feedback on it. Um, coaches were pretty upset. You know, we, we know that now we now know that they are down in revenue significantly. Um, mm-hmm you know, that might be a reason why they're trying to charge exorbitant prices for this Olympic trials, which is, you know, they're, they're, bread and butter that only happens once every four years. But it, it seems like USA swimming is a bit out of touch, which is sad because they, you know, they are our governing body. They're the ones who are sp- supposed to be spearheading the excitement and engagement in our sport for this country. And, uh, right now it seems like they're missing the mark so let's move on to some international meets i was appalled because there were quite a few um, countries having big meets. australia had the queensland championships uh china had their trials for doha and there were a lot of really fast swims that i feel like kind of went under the radar and maybe people are just a little burnt out on swimming as a whole maybe people are not expecting to be paying attention to long course swimming right now, especially in the U S. Um, it's the end of the year. It's the holidays. Like I totally get it, but let's just talk about some of these swims because there were a lot of really fast times, like world championship meddling times, uh, from, from some of these meets. So Yin Yin, just give me your highlights. What, what did you like that you saw this week?
1: I mean, I don't want to be that person. But yeah, I yeah, just think, that yeah, I always say that, but then I end up being that person anyway. But times, fast times from people that I know are capable of going fast, that doesn't excite me anymore because I know, I know they can do that. I know they're swimming fast in season. I just want to see what they can throw down at the big meets. And I I, this is contradictory to what we've been talking about about emphasizing in season swims but it's like I don't really know what to take away from them the really the biggest highlight for me was Matt Temple's 50.25 in the 100 fly because he's been on a bit of a plateau in terms of best time since the 2021 Australian Olympic trials and to see him going a legit medal olympic potentially olympic medaling time is just a really good sign for Australia. And I also think this is really good for their medley relays, both their men's and their mixed medley relays, because I'm always just, like, worrying, like, Matt Temple hasn't gone a best time in a while. Like, what if he runs out of steam at some point? But now I know he's not close to running out of steam. And I think this puts the Australian medley, medley relays, especially the mixed medley relay, in a really, really strong position because you you got, if they go female, male, male, female, you've got potentially a 57 from Caitlin McEwen, maybe a 58 low from Sam Williamson, who has been having a sprint revolution. That's also another highlight of some of these swims, Sam Williamson. Temple, who could potentially be splitting 49. On this relay, and then a 51 split from one of the a million freestylers they had. That's a really strong relay. That relay could win at the Olympics. Like, there are major implications for Matt Temple's breakthrough in the 100. Well, best time in the 100 fly. Like, that was really what stood out the most to me.
0: And then he followed that up with a 48.6 100 fly short course, right? It's like, yeah. It seems like it seems like he's on fire. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to contradict you. I love seeing people who I know can swim fast, swim fast. Uh, but <clears throat> I think we got some more evidence of, especially from China of swimmers being consistent and we don't always see that from them. And that really excites me. Panzan Li, 47, six in the hundred freestyle and Ken Haiyang, 26, two in the 50 breast he's five, one hundreds off what he went at world championships. So I think that's it's one of the fastest performances of all time, but to see those two guys specifically keep doing it, keep going fast really excites me because I want to see them peak at the, those Olympic games. You know, it's like, I want them at their best. And again, this doesn't always, China doesn't always do this. Right, they don't always, they are not always at their best at the biggest meets of the year, and I really hope that is the case for them because not only individually, but I want to see the medley relay showdown between them and the US, maybe an Australia, you know, jumps in if they can get enough momentum on their front they half. Need a back,
1: they need a 52
0: mid back. <clears throat> yeah but it uh, you know but it's like if, if matt temple is on and kyle chalmers is on that could be the best back end in the world you know so and so it's like but we know china has the potential to break a world record in that event and i really hope that they are on um because jujia Yu also had a great hunter backstroke i think it was 52 six maybe it was 52 something but he, to, to see their guys keep keep being consistent um ken hi there's you can't argue that he is a phenomenal breaststroker but we just haven't seen him be that for more than eight months at this point point. and so i the more we can see him putting money in that bank and and getting fast swims under his belt the more i personally can trust that he will be fast at the olympic games um and same with Panzan Lee. He's he's had a little bit longer of a runway in terms of elite speed and, and being at that top level. Um, he's he's been there for a couple of years now, but you know that that really excites me because the last event of the nine-day Olympic Games is that 400 medley relay, and I want fireworks.
1: Yeah, I really agree with your point about the Chinese swimmers because we've seen a lot in the past chinese swimmers having one good me and just disappearing and we never hear from them again and it's really nice to see swimmers like chin just constantly establishing themselves over and over again and i think that does make me more confident in their olympic chances
0: agreed so <clears throat> we'll, you know we'll see how they continue pr- to progress uh we also got some international news on the Australia front outside of competition, they announced their roster for Doha. It kind of mirrored the US's in terms of, you saw a lot of some of the pro groups going, and then some of the other pro groups like completely skipping this meet. Um, Cam McAvoy will be there, which he had already announced. Um, And then also you have a lot of Dean Boxel's athletes going, uh, highlighted by Shayna Jack. Titmuss, Ariane Titmuss is not going. Molly O'Callaghan is not going. But I, a lot of his other athletes will be there, uh, which I thought was really interesting. What What do you make of the fact that Dean Boxel is sending a lot of his athletes, but not um, his top two?
1: Yeah, that was interesting to me as well, because I think the main three... The main three or four athletes, Elijah Winnington is training under Dean Boxall still, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's really interesting to me because you've got they those Winnington, Jack, Titmus, and O'Callahan are two of the, four of the biggest names in that St. Peter's training group, and if it was just Shayna Jack going over O'Callaghan and miss, I would be like, oh, maybe it's because Jack is more sprint oriented, and you can just go and do a bunch of fifties as fast as you can, and it won't really matter. Whereas maybe in longer distance events, you've got it doesn't work that way. But then Winnington, as a distance swimmer, is going so that that kind of excuse me, but other than the whole sprinting thing, I don't really have a good explanation. I guess for Titmuss, it makes sense because she's not really the type to go to big meets. She's more of a Olympics and World Championships only kind of swimmer, so I guess that makes sense. But the inclusion of Jack and Winnington, but not O'Callaghan and Timmis specifically, that does confuse me a little bit.
0: And like you said, it might just be that, right? It might just be that the big meet swimmers don't need this don't feel like they need this racing experience similar to how katie ledecky and caleb dressel are skipping this competition but you have others you know Shayna jack is still getting her sea legs under her after coming back from a doping suspension right so it's like she she might want those international race reps Um, yeah
1: and she's never raced the 100 free internationally mm. because she's she always has had to deal with that depth and depth in australia and the one time that she qualified to swim the 100 free she hurt herself midway through world championship so she never really got that opportunity so this might be her best shot at getting that opportunity
0: absolutely um and then you know same with elijah he's still he's still getting used maybe used to training under dean Boxel. um but yeah i just thought it was interesting that most of Boxel's top end athletes are attending and then pretty much no one no one no other major training group in australia is opting for these championships so um dean Boxel is on staff on the coaching staff for those doha championships in february for australia so just thought that was kind of an interesting point if you have any insight into that leave it in the comments let us know what you think
1: oh, all these come at us um <laughs> I actually thought even though the U.S. and the Australian rosters are similar size, the U.S. rosters overall considerably stronger because maybe it's just because America is just more deep as a swimming country in general, but there's a ton of medal, world championships medalists or contenders on this roster, Claire Carzan, Kate Douglas, Kitty Grimes. Michael Andrew, Hunter Armstrong, Shane Casas, Nick Fink, Carson Foster, Luke Hobbs, and all of these swimmers are capable of winning medal, individual medals at a regular world championships. Whereas on the Australian roster, really only Cam McAvoy, Shayna Jack, Elijah Whittington, maybe Sam Williamson are capable of that. It's really just a small few. So it's like, even though the rosters are similar in size, the strength is very different
0: and i think uh yeah once again that it's like we we know that australia's top end talent is is very very good but uh again it seems a lot of their a lot of their top end is just kind of opting to stay and train which i think the aussies australia has done that culturally as a country for for decades right they they may not want to leave as much especially in an olympic year i think they are going to opt to stay at home a little more than than go out and travel and race internationally which the us does too and with that it's time for some sink or swim first up today on sink or swim tatiana schoenmacher 2020 Olympic champion in the 200 breast, world record holder in that event, well, former world record holder. She had the world record at one point. Hits a 220.3. It's the fastest 200 breast since Tokyo. Her fastest 200 breast since Tokyo. Do you see Schoenmacher repeating as the Olympic champion in Paris?
1: I... I think a lot of this conversation really comes down to whether Evgenia Chiknova will be eligible or want to compete as a neutral athlete. So I think if if she's in the Olympics, then I'm going to sink it. If she's not in the Olympics, I think I'm going to sink it as well. Just based on vibe. Because Schumacher has been the top dog not aside from evignia chuknova for the last few years but i do think that the the 200 breast is an event where you're getting a lot of rising talent like Tess shooting kate douglas um there's this swimmer from denmark i forgot her name thea bloom I don't know how to say (laughs) her last name, but there's a Danish swimmer um, who went to to, to 222 low. And I think there's, this is an event where there's a lot of up and coming swimmers. And I think there's going to be a point where one of them is going to overtake Schumacher. And I think next year is going to be the time. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have much evidence to back this up, but I just have a feeling.
0: I'm with you. I'm sinking it as well. Podium. I would swim it. But repeating as champion, I mean, first of all, that's just a ton. It comes with a ton of pressure, right? And I think she will be feeling that. It seems like she has really taken it easy and maybe removed herself from swimming a little bit after the Tokyo Games. Seems like she took some time to recharge to, to come down from that Olympic, from that insane Olympic success that she had. And now she's kind of ramped back up, which I think is a great thing to do. Seems like she's probably in a good mindset. She's hitting really fast times. But a 200 of stroke is is not a young person. sorry, it is a young person's game, right? And I think like you said, there's a lot of young talent coming up. And not she could repeat her time from Tokyo and that still might not be enough. Um, you still have a lot of really competitive breaststrokers. I think Kate Douglas is absolutely going to be on form for this. I think you have names like Tess Shouten. I feel like Lily King at this point is a wild card, which is, is very weird to say because she's had such a consistent career, but she could go to Paris and have the Olympics of her life. You know, it seems like she still has that in her maybe. I wouldn't bet on that. But but it still could have It still feels like it could happen. So I think Sean Macher is going to be great in Paris, but it, it's hard to see her repeating for me at this point. Next up, I posted a video of Leon Marchand going at 20.8 at an Arizona State practice. People got upset as they do every time I post a video from a practice saying that they went a certain time the coach says they went a certain time they're the ones timing and then people think they know how to time better than coaches uh which in most cases i think is wrong so the question is should practice times be timed from the feet when the athlete's feet leaves the wall or should they be timed should the clock start when the coach says go
1: okay my, my first instinct is to say it's not, it's not that deep, but in swimming, everything is deep.
0: So <laughs> but um,
1: my opinion as someone who has never swam in a club setting before is that I think timing, timing to the feet is fine because the, the argument for timing when the coach says go is when it, is that it emulates a racing environment but in a racing environment the start makes you faster compared to timing at the feet so what why are we emulating a methodology where you go slower i, I don't know if that makes sense or not but i don't know i just think timing to the feet would be more accurate and more representative of How you're gonna perform in a race, and if you want to have that like oh set go experience, you can just do a time trial. Like there are different, there are other practice situations where you can have a more real racing experience, and I don't think it really like you don't have to nitpick like oh like oh this you can't this time doesn't count because it was to the feet and blah 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 blah. I don't know that that's my limited perspective on this topic.
0: You hear that, swim commenters? Let the knowledge of a non-swimmer wash over you. Yeah, I I appreciate you as a non-swimmer and your perspective that you bring, not having done this before, uh, because you're gonna see things that I think people who have swum don't. But I agree with every point. I am absolutely swimming that practice times should be timed from when a swimmer's feet leave the wall because that is more indicative of what they're actually doing with their bodies uh, instead of when the coach says go or when a clock says nine, because a it's, it's just human error. People are just going to leave at different times, right? People leave early all the time. This is a very reoccurring phenomenon our in our training in this, in the training of our sport. Um, But B it's, I, I want faster times, right? Every athlete wants faster times, and this isn't cheating. This isn't saying, oh, you didn't actually go this. This is what I went from wall to wall. And it's when my body leaves the wall to when it touches the wall again. And does that mean I'm gonna go that time in a race? Maybe not exactly, but it means that's what I'm capable of doing today or another day. So, uh, yeah, I don't for, for anyone who says, oh, you should start the watch when they say, go, that's what a race is for the top teams race and practice all the time. They go from the blocks. They suit up, do it. Then don't do it in practice. Don't do it. If it's a practice swim and you're leaving from the wall, that's my exactly. opinion,
1: actually, exactly
0: last up on sink or swim back to the Olympics. Our poll this week. Uh, asked which swimmer you think is most likely to reclaim an Olympic title in Paris. Uh, so these are people who won gold at the Rio 2016 Olympics did not win gold individually in Tokyo, but have the chance to reclaim gold in Paris. We got Kyle Chalmers in the hundred free, who is the overwhelming fan favorite. Uh, Ryan Murphy in the 100 back and the 200 back. He's got two shots. And Greg Paltrinieri in the men's 1,500 free. Who's your pick, Ian?
1: I'm going to be basic and say Kyle Chalmers <clears throat> because he's already the favorite in the 100 free because everyone else in his, every single one of his rivals is inconsistent. We've had this conversation before. Caleb Dressel, we don't know how far his comeback's going to take him. Pan Genla has not, swam a best time at a world championships meet before david popovich i have no no idea what to expect from him but thomas is just consistent as usual and i think yeah that's my that's an easy pick whereas paul i don't really know how much he has left in him he he did prove in 2022 that he wasn't past his prime but he didn't have a great 2023 year and distance swimmings are so competitive and yeah, Ryan Murphy, he, I don't think he's the favorite, even though he won at worlds, he's not the favorite.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, if I'm betting on it, absolutely Kyle Chalmers. And I think he's the favorite for a reason. <clears throat> I think yeah, I just want to discuss all three of these options a little bit because as you said, it comes down to consistency. Kyle Chalmers is consistently at the top in the 100 free. But if he's not winning, he's on the podium, right? <clears throat> and it will take a monster of a swim to take him down because in the Olympics, it's about managing pressure, which he can do, and it's about your last 10 meters. And we know that his is exceedingly consistent. So it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot to to get past him. Um, Ryan Murphy just got his first world title in the 100 back ever this past year. So we know that he the, the potential for him is absolutely still there. You know, he's been hovering at 51 high, 52 low since he won that gold medal in Rio in 2016. So he's been very consistent in that regard. I think he just has more competition that's that's closer to him that on the day could very well pass him he's got hunter armstrong he's got the world record holder thomas chacon if the russians come in he's got rylov and kolesnikov to deal with right and so probably not
1: rylov i don't think he's going to be competing ever again but that's a story for another day
0: and probably not kolesnikov because he said he didn't want (laughs) to go to paris yeah but We, we never know what's going to happen. We, you know, you never know how an Olympics is going to shake out until you're, you're there that day. Um, And so there's competition coming from elsewhere. And I think especially Chacon and, you know, another American, if that's, if that's Armstrong, if that's maybe someone else who makes the team Um, the 200 back who I just saw Hubert Koch, practice. Uh, they were doing one fifties for time, which that video is going to come out soon. You know, he's the defending world champion in the 200 back. He's looking good. And again, a 200 of stroke is, is a young man's game. And so I I think again, Murphy has been really consistent. I think he has a shot, but I think the young guns are starting to come up and it'll be harder, right? Um, there's less of a chance, I think. And same with Greg, I think Greg could, could win gold, but I feel like for the mile, it's so dependent on where everyone's at that day and how the race plays out. The field is more competitive than it's ever been. And there are a lot of guys who are much younger than Greg who, who are hungry for it. So I think he could absolutely win gold. I think he has less of a chance than Kyle and Ryan for that matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: All right. That's our breakdown. Th- this is actually our last breakdown of 2023. I'm not doing another one. Even if something crazy happens, I refuse. Yeah, that's, that's
1: a lie.
0: <laughs> Yin's not doing another one, that's for sure. <clears throat> but thanks. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Thanks for joining us for the entire swimming year of 2023. We will see you next year.